Welcome to the Frameworks and Finance Podcast. I am your host, Curtis Haney. Each week we talk about frameworks and finance concepts for your life and work. Let's learn together today. All right. So today on the Frameworks and Finance Podcast, I have Brian Lubin, and he is financially independent, started a DJ business to pay for his college and has taken a non-traditional path. And so I want to talk about uh, his whole journey, uh, his businesses, and just learn a little bit more about his philosophy. So Brian, thanks for jumping on the podcast today. Curtis, thanks for having me, man. For everyone listening, uh, the goal today is to provide you guys as much value as possible. We want to earn every minute of you listening and have you better for having listened to this episode than you were before. So hopefully we can get that done today. Excited for it. That's yeah, absolutely the case, man. So I, I gave a little bit of teaser about some of your background. Can you just kind of talk about your journey to where you are today? And then we'll jump off from there. Yeah, absolutely. My story in a nutshell is I graduated college, jumped into corporate America, made it to the top of that. I was being groomed to become a vice president of sales for that company in Fortune 500. I made it to the top. They gave me sales rep of the year, rookie of the year. I won all the awards. I was making mid six figures. Everything was honky dory. Made it to the mountaintop, realized I was climbing the wrong mountain. And this was a terrible mountain that I did not want to be on top. So at that point, I had to realize that this is not the life that I wanted to live. And I tell people, um, the best way to know when it's time to quit your job is look at your boss's boss. If your boss's boss is not someone that you aspire to be. It's time to start planning your exit and planning your escape. And that's what happened with me. My VP that I was being groomed to become, you know, maybe one day was a balding mid 30s guy that wasn't seeing his kids. He had two young daughters, was never seeing them. I was like, OK, cool. That's not the life I want. Also, I think I can make more money on my own. So at that point, started buying real estate uh, and we'll get into that part of the story. I uh, started up a podcast, started up a media company. And then between those and the real estate, March of this year in 2022, a, a job, hopped on a one-way flight July 6th to travel around the world. And for the last five months, I've traveled around the world full time. I'm taking a sabbatical right now back in Atlanta, Georgia, and then I'm hopping on the plane again to go to Singapore for New Year's. That is me. That's you in a whirlwind right there. So was March of this year when you quit that nine to five job or was that before then? Yep. March of this year. So you talk about that like it was, you know, was it a process that got you to that point over multiple years or was it like, a, did you have just a moment? That was kind of like a switch in your brain that knew that that was your that was your next step. It'd be super sexy if I just said that I was just like, oh, screw this. I'm out. Right. But the advice that I give to people, um, especially when you have that salary. So my salary was like 90,000. So that's not something that you can just like, you know, OK, I'm going to walk away from this because I'm getting irritated today. Right. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> So like I said, yeah, it was a plan. I created what's called a vivid vision. Um, Cameron Harold uh, is a friend of mine and the author of the book. He just came on my podcast. And it's a, it's a vision of what you want your life to look like in three years from now. So I wrote that vision out when I was working at my office in my cubicle. And I wrote out in three years, I want to be traveling around the world. I want to do what I want, when I want, with who I want. And I want to have all this freedom and I want to have all this income coming in from remote sources that I really enjoy doing. I had no idea the how of how to get there. But I ended up accomplishing that exact vision in 1.2 years instead of three. And so by the time it was time to quit, I was leaving with a lot of gratitude in my heart. I was leaving with a smile on my face. There was no animosity. And that's something I tell people when you just like flip the bird to the boss and you leave that job with a bunch of anger in your heart, and a bunch of animosity. 
it doesn't tend to work out too well because that's not a great mindset to uh, start your entrepreneurship journey in. And so I tell people to run towards something as opposed to run away from something. Well, most most people are they're flipping the bird and they haven't done the the internal work, right? They just have done just the bare minimum. And before people, I tell people before you switch jobs or before you take, like you need to take a pause and you need to reflect. What about you is making you unhappy at that spot that you are today? Because if you can't identify that, that's going to follow you to the next thing, next thing that you're doing. Same thing with travel. Same thing with travel. People, if you, some people will travel to find themselves, right? Travel around the world, find themselves. Doesn't work like that. So there's, I'm really big into stoicism and like the old ancient Greek philosophers like Seneca, Marcus Aurelius, all those people, like the Ryan Holiday type of stuff. And they talk about, you know, there's a quote that they're like, you can't escape like what's between your ears. So you're carrying that with you, whether you're in Greece, Italy, Spain, or Atlanta, Georgia, it's still the same thing between your ears. You just, you have different perspective. Yes. But that's, that's a battle that you need to fight and win before you start looking for the external. Yeah, for sure. Well, it, it is, it's like this generation, you know, such a, it's such a, in a way, a meme that I'm just going to quit and go travel the world. So you've still made that decision to go travel the world, but it's not in the same meme-ish way of like, you know, going to go find myself. So what was your motivation for doing that? Yeah. So first I could afford it. So that's a difference um, between that and just throwing it on some credit cards. Um, so that's a key differentiator. Um, for me, travel is my biggest passion. I love travel because what it does is it slows down time. Travel is how you directly control time because there's a study that's done on how time is perceived by the human. And what it says is the more monotony that you have, the more automation, the more robotic, just day to day to day, time flies by. Curtis, I've been home for a week and a half. It feels like a day. It feels like a freaking day because what have I done? I've gone right back. I'm going to the same gym at the same time. I'm doing going into my office, meeting breakfast at the same place, same time. And I don't have to think about it. It's autopilot. And when that happens for people listening that have kids and that have families, all of a sudden you've been working that job and now you've been working that job 10 years. Where, where the heck did that come from? Right. When you're traveling and you're exposed to all this new stimulus, right? Your new location, new foods, new routines, new everything each and every week, time slows down exponentially. So. That five months felt like freaking five years. A month in Brazil felt like a year for me. And so that's why I do it. And I also love getting the perspective of different cultures and different locations. I love it. And so that's uh, always been my passion. And so that's my big, exciting life. But what I tell people is just because that's my exciting life doesn't mean that that's your exciting life. I do want you to apply the principles that I applied to do whatever fires you up. And for you, that may be moving your family of four to Colorado to create a candle making company. I don't know. So it's just a matter of freedom. I want you to do what you want when you want with who you want. And I'm just speaking to you as a person that's done it. Yeah. Well, and it's, I've talked, I talk quite a bit about like living intentionally and it's like making those decisions every single day so that you don't get into that cycle. So you're, you're framing this a little bit differently, but it is, you're living towards that freedom. What what you're talking about is time freedom there, but I've seen you talk about kind of the different levels of freedom, financial, personal, and philosophical. Can we kind of go down that rabbit hole real quick since we're talking about freedom and what that looks like? Hate talking about freedom, man. No, of course we can. Yeah. So freedom is my jam. Um, so three levels of freedom. Everybody thinks that financial freedom, uh, which is, you know, four hour work week, we've been talking about it for 15 years now. 
everyone thinks financial freedom is like the ultimate freedom, right? Where you know you no longer have to work, you're not really stressed about money, your passive income that you it's not tied to your time is now covering your expenses. Congratulations, you made it to the mountaintop. Here's the thing. So a lot of business owners are listening to this podcast. And what you do is you leave that nine to five, you leave that 40 hour a work week for the honor of now working 90 hours a week on your own business. Congratulations, you made it. And so that's where it gets us to that second level of freedom to maybe, yeah, maybe you're making more money and technically your expenses are covered, but you can't seem to stop work because now you, you haven't done the internal work like Curtis said to do it. So now at this point, what you're doing is you're searching for personal freedom. Personal freedom is complete control of schedule. So this is where you are truly choosing what you're doing, what you want, when you want, with who you want. Today, I am doing this podcast in the morning and I canceled a podcast in the afternoon because there's something else that I would rather do. Like that came up. I was like, hey, like this is something else that I need to take care of instead of doing this. So I have complete control of my schedule. And that's where you start really reaping the benefits and rewards when you have assistance and you can delegate and you can automate and systematize. Then the rubber starts meeting the road. And then the third level at that point, because now you're so unburdened by schedule, by unnecessary conference calls and by money that now you're starting to achieve what's called philosophical freedom. Philosophical freedom is where you are starting to think beyond yourself. Now it's not me, it's we. It's the collective human species. So you're like, okay, I've done really, really well for myself. How can I help others do the same? How can I make others better? How can I leave the world a better place? What impact do I want to provide? What can I do that will provide me fulfillment? Those are the questions that you start asking. So for me, it's just a mad dash to be operating at that level as early as possible. So when you talk about that, you are talking about literal levels of you think it's it's going financial and then the personal and then the philosophical. Are you viewing them as, as in sequence like that? Or they can those be achieved? Do you feel like those can be achieved um, out of that sequence? The, there's gray. There's nuance and blending between all three. But from what I've seen, maybe not but, but maybe comma and, it's difficult to have the perspective when you're so bogged down by those things. So how do you really truly focus on like your own internal happiness and like scale and helping others and stuff when you're like face to face with all of these bills that you can't battle and you have all this financial stress and the stress is the money stress is weighing on your marriage, your family, because 99% of people, all they're focused on is how do I make that next paycheck so my freaking family eats? They're in survival mode. And then you move up to the entrepreneur that starts his own company. And now he's like, how do I get my employees paid? How do I make sure payroll is met for my 30 employees for this HVAC company or this company that I've created? How do I make sure that they eat and that I don't have to fire them because now their families are dependent on me, right? How does this business not go under? So your mind's in different places. So once both of those are taken care of, then you can start kind of unencumbering your brain to think bigger. So yes, you can do all three levels, um, but I think it's a lot easier to kind of sequence them out and kind of fight one dragon at a time. Yeah, I was going to, I'm just thinking about this kind of for the first time. So this may be a horrible idea. I'm just going to shoot it out there and then we can, we can workshop it a little bit. I, I think in some ways it's almost like a hurdle. You've got to get over the first hurdle on all three of them, right? And I think financial kind of has to come first and then you can focus on the hurdle. But then I think in some way they all have to rise together. 
because if you hyper focus too much on one piece or you know one size of that freedom you in a lot of ways are sacrificing the other elements uh, of that freedom and you also like i see you know think about this from you know you see billionaires that they have all the financial freedom that they could potentially want but because of their striving in that financial they don't have that philosophical or that personal freedom in some cases because you see so oftentimes their personal lives are just a wreck because they've not balanced those 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 well and you see them making these commitments to give away their money but they don't take action on it now it's just this future commitment to do that so it's clear they have potentially one type of freedom but that they don't have or, or may not have and again this is looking from the outside in so these are a lot of assumptions. I know you're you're completely spot on. And when I'm saying these three levels of freedom, that's like for the aspirational, like, like most fulfilled life. So most people that have money don't even think about that. Like they're just so fixated on the finance the entire way up that they don't even think about the time freedom or the fulfillment. I know billionaires. Like I've interviewed billionaires on my show. I've got a couple friends that are actually like personal friends. They're in the hundred millions and they have a lot of money. They do not have freedom. Mm -hmm. at all because now you have hundreds and hundreds maybe thousands of people working for you and there's so much delegation that needs to be done yeah maybe you get to do a cool vacation you know where you can go summer in san tropez or something like that but like they don't really truly have like freedom and a lot of them have sacrificed decades of their life and marriages and family to get to where they want to get and so the perspective i'm offering is just like i think and like, then again, people can be free to disagree with me. But like in my journey, I'm seeking for achievement and fulfillment. It's the science of achievement, and the art of fulfillment. So in my young journey, like that's what I'm aiming towards and striving towards for my journey. So that's just my perspective. It could be wrong for other people. How have you gone about? Because there is there is like this just desire to have more, you know, to make more, to to grow your businesses, to do these things. How have you balanced those uh, kind of on a day-to-day -day basis? How do you look at that and think about balancing those three freedoms? Well, I used to care a lot about money um, until I started making more than I needed. Now, obviously, that will pivot at different stages of my life. People talk about lifestyle creep, and I'm not a car guy. I'm not a really big house guy. But at some point, I want to have a pretty big family, right? So I'm speaking as a guy with no kids. Everyone's like, oh, cool, must be nice. So it's going to be, it's going to like the income that's required is going to be more when I'm having to put the kids through school and, you know, daycare and sports and all of this stuff. But for me, I'm just around so many people that are operating at such a high level because um, I'm in mastermind groups and different organizations with people that are $10 million and above. So those are who I call friends and I can see the forest over the trees because they lend me their perspective. Because the fastest way to build a business that's worth $10 million is surround yourself with people in a room that have $100 million businesses. Like, then you just rise by default. It's very easy because you, they'll literally tell you how to do it. And so from their perspective, it's like I would rather build a business around something that I truly love and build what's called passionate income and then have the income as a byproduct. So for me, I shifted my focus from like, how can I be the best entrepreneur how can I be the smartest guy in the room? I shifted my focus from that to how can I help as many people as humanly possible achieve something that's very important to them? And then at that point, it's a game that's just infinitely winnable because I win every day because I'm super fulfilled with helping people. Everyone else wins because 
they're learning and they're having their lives better for having known me. And then everyone else wins by default because it's just like a compounding, you know, good. So money compounds. We talk about compound interest, but goodwill compounds even faster. So for me, I went from somebody that was tracking their net worth every single month to now I'm just like, okay, like how can I impact as many people as possible? And so now my new big, hairy, audacious goal is how do I help 1 million people leave unfulfilling jobs for a life of fun, fulfillment, and freedom uh, by December 1st, 2024. So in two years, I'm going to help a million people. That's the new goal. Cool. Very cool. So, so you talked about the passionate versus the passive. And can we talk about your journey with that and kind of where you are in that? Yeah. So I've done what most people want to do, which most people, what do they want to do? They want to retire and they want to go lay on a beach for a prolonged period of time and not have to worry about anything. And I did it. Like I lived in Greece for a month and then I traveled around Europe for four months and I was in Brazil for two. So it's like I lived on the beach. I literally look, at, live out, look outside my window when I woke up in the morning. And I could see the waves and I could see the sunrise. and It was beautiful. But um, that's not fulfilling because if you're if you're the type of person that's made it to that point to where you, like you are there and you've achieved, you know, quote unquote, financial freedom, you've built your business. You're not the type of person that's OK with just laying there and sitting there and doing nothing because you're somebody that gets stuff done. So for me, um, everyone talks so much about passive income for like this one day goal of being able to, you know, quit their job and do what they want when they want with who they want, or maybe even at 65 is like the traditional age. But then what? So for me, I think a better game to play is like, okay, what do I really freaking love doing? Like, looking back as a child, like, what did I do as a child that really excited me? Or what are my internal passions? If money wasn't an object, what would I do for free? I think that's an important question that nobody asks themselves. So if you ask yourself that question, find a way to build a business around that. And that's where I started my podcast because I did, I did that for free. And I love doing that. And I interview seven to 10 figure entrepreneurs and it's so much fun for me. And then I ended up making it a revenue source. And now I ended up creating a company around it. And now it's my entire thing is building this company, building this podcast while I travel. So it's like, if you gave me $100 million today and said, okay, you're good. Now, what do you want to do, Brian? I'd say, okay, cool. I'm going to podcast and travel. Now I'll do exactly what I'm doing right now. Yeah, that's good. What would you, you know, because there's, there's an element of going back to those three levels of freedom. You've got to have some level of passive, but to, to make that happen, or you got to have some level, you know, before you can get to that passionate but I think for many business owners, they may be doing what they're passionate about now. It may just not be bringing them to the level of where they think or they want to go. Do you have any advice for trying to, trying to get that passionate thing to that next level? So that requires a lot more nuance because that's like 30,000 different questions in one because that's like the trillion dollar question, right? 90% of businesses go out of business. They, they fail. So that's a question of, do you have product market fit? Um, do you have the right people in the right seats? Is everyone rowing in, rowing in the same direction? Like, how are you at hiring automation and delegation? How are you at marketing and sales? How are you at generating top line? How are your bottom line expenses? Are you spending like crazy? So product market fit is probably like the biggest one that I see is people will spend all their time, energy and effort building a business and then hoping that somebody is going to have a market for it. But then realizing after the fact that there is no market for this, like there is no market for the business that they're looking for. And I see that over and over again. So it's difficult to answer that question unless I had like nuance to it. 
to be able to actually like get perspective of like, okay, I've got this thing and it's not working because of this. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your, cause in your situation, your passion, it was that podcast that you created. Right. And very clear. You've had good success with that. What, what do you felt like, how, how did you start that and grow that to the success that it is today? What, what do you feel like were those triggers that, that helped you know that you had that product market fit? Yeah. So first off, I just ask people, <laughs> you know, like you, you survey. So the best way to start a business is like call, call who you think is the audience. So like right now I'm in the process of building a course out and building like a mastermind in the community. And instead of building the freaking mastermind and community and just spending like months and months and months working on that and then asking people, hey, here's the thing I built. Do you want it? Instead, I was like, I cold called. Um, well, I mean, I set up appointments, but I set up 100 calls, 100 calls with different people. And I asked them, I was like, hey, what problem do you have? Like, this is a problem that I had. Is this a problem that you share? Like, OK, what are your hang ups in solving this problem? Like, what are your big issues with solving XYZ problem? And then they'll tell me. And then I'll just take notes. I didn't sell them anything. You know, I just did market research. So it's all about market research. So to answer your question, you have to get the passive income to earn the passionate income. You, It's earned. You can't just like, oh, I'm going to, I'm $30,000 in credit card debt. I'm going to go pursue my passions. That's stupid. Sorry. <laughs> it just... It's not going to work. You're, now you're going to go from $30,000 in credit card debt to $50,000 in credit card debt. Congratulations, you won. So what you have to do is you have to build your financial foundation first. You have to do the unsexy stuff to earn the right to do the sexy stuff. So I say going from passive income to passionate income. So for me, I had real estate, I have four properties that do co-living. So that prints me out about nothing too sexy, about four grand a month passively net. And then with real estate, you don't really pay tax because you write off everything as an expense. So that's four grand a month. Um, I also do what's called house hacking. So I live in one unit. This is the bottom basement unit of one of my rental properties that the upstairs is rented out. So my mortgage is covered. Rent's covered. I essentially live for free. I own my car. I don't have student loans. So my main three expenses are completely covered. So for me, I was just like, okay, that four grand kind of you know, it gets the ancillary stuff covered for me. Like I can live a pretty decent life off of that. Now I'm more free to focus on like community networking, mastermind and building something bigger on top of all of that. So that's where the podcast came in. And now the podcast cranks out anywhere from like 12 to 15,000 a month. So when you tie them together, you're like, holy crap, like, this is actually something that's worthwhile. But you also have to remember and put it back into the context of, like I was making twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month in my W two, so that's what I was doing for three, four years, and I was stacking away the cash, and I was buying assets, and I was doing all this stuff, making the relationships. So you you can't forego like the rocky cutscene to where you put your head down and grind. Like there is no easy button; you can't escape it. Like you have to do it. It's just at what point in your life do you feel like doing it? You have to put the 10,000 hours in. And now my 10,000 hours is completely in my podcast because I used to be the guy that was like, I want to be, you know, I want to have a great podcast. I want to know Airbnb investing. I want to know real estate investing. I want to know crypto. I want to know Web3. And I was good at a lot of things, but I wasn't great at one. So I ignored everything else. And now all my focus is on media. This is my thing. This is what I'm going to be the great. Like, this is what I'm going to be great at is this. The riches are in the niches. So that's what kind of where we are today. 
Cool. So, and and you started, did you start your podcast before you left your, your job then? Yeah. Yeah. I started it in October of last year. So it's been a year. Okay, cool. Cool. Like thinking about it from, you know, now that you're focused in on like this medium, this is the thing that I'm putting my energy in. What do you feel like your next steps for, for growth in that are? In the podcast? Yeah. In the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you my specific goals of the podcast. And then after that, I can't answer it because um, I shoot out three years in the future. I can't shoot out further than that because I can't call it. But three years from now, well, uh, my vision is two years, actually, um, for my 30th birthday, December 1st, 2025, no, 2024. I want a million downloads a month and I want to help a million people leave their jobs. So from, you know, and like the, the way I came to that number is with all of my mentors that have built these massive companies, all these big media companies, um, they were like, hey, if you can help, if you have something of that scale and you're helping that many people, like you can build an eight figure business around that. So my goal is a million downloads a month and a um, million people helped. And then by default, that will print out $10 million plus in revenue. So that's what I want to do in the next two years is that building that and putting all my energy, effort and focus into that. After that, kind of the world's the oyster. I don't really know what's next after that. We'll see at that point, I'm going to start having kids settle down. That's the goal. Cool. Very cool. What do you, you've talked about masterminds and, and, you know, you've talked about kind of surrounding yourself by those people that are going to help you get to the next level. How did you go about that kind of through your whole journey? It's intentionality. So you have to be really crystal clear about who like who you're looking to become, once you find out who that person looks like, then your particular activating system starts firing off in your head to where you start seeing those people. So it's very clear, it's very important to create the vision first, and then the people start appearing. So it's the same thing for people that aren't familiar with RAS. It's when you buy a new car, and you go out on the road, all of a sudden, you start seeing that car everywhere. It's your brain channeling what information is perceived to you. So I got very clear. I'm like, okay, this is what I want. Like I want people that are chasing like fulfillment and freedom and the economic. So I don't want to just join a country club. Like I want to be in a part of a group that people that actually like care about being like a great dad, great husband, great father. So join a group called Go Abundance. Uh, you have to be accredited to join. But uh, I've, I've loved that. I've been there for two years and that's changed my life. So when a group of room with 800 guys, um, 40% of them are over $10 million net worth. So they're able to be further down the path than me. And they throw the rope back down and they show you, you know, hey, here's what I did wrong. Because the best, so learning from failure is a great accelerant to success, but learning from other people's failures is a cheat code. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because there's, there's a lot of people out there that are going to be willing to help you uh, and tell you what those failures are. So you may fail in a different way, but it's a different way that's further down the path potentially. So, yeah, and you can you can avoid it. So it's like if you're climbing Mount Everest, like you're not going to climb it by yourself. Like you're going to have one of the Sherpas that's guiding you up the mountain. That's those people. So when people say, "Oh, I don't want to pay for coaching, mastermind, or any of that. I don't about paying for crap. I'm going to watch it on YouTube." I'm like, dude, like, would you go climb? Would you just watch a YouTube video on how to climb Mount Everest? Come on. Like, oh, I watched, I read a book on climbing Mount Everest. I'm going to go climb Mount Everest now. Like, come on. Like, that's the best example I can think of. Because even saying that, like, I'm like, I get, I get fired up about how I used to think of how dumb it was. And so it's like, now that I've, like, I'm doing it and like the person's actually there and they're like, hey, I've climbed Mount Everest for the last 20 years of my life, like hundreds of times. 
I know it like the back of my hand. If you go to the left over here, you are going to die. If you go to the right, you're going to freeze to death. But if you go this way and you follow me, I will show you exactly the easiest way to get to the top. That's mentoring. That's mentorship. That's mastermind. Yeah. How did you find, you said Go Abundance was the name of the one that you're in. How did you find that group and how did you kind of decide that that was the one that you wanted to go down? I heard them on podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts. So I listened to real estate podcasts, investing podcasts, and I heard some guys um, that were some founders of the group go and talk on a real estate podcast. And I was like, I, was like, I like these guys, like speaking the gospel, like I want to be in their world. So I reached out to them. That's how I got started. It's amazing, honestly, what is available online. Find those places that you resonate with people. And if you do that, you're going to find these opportunities like, like that group and being a part of that group. because. There's no, there's no better, you know, qualification or there's no better mechanism to make sure that you're with people than, than reading what they've produced, listening to their podcasts, like doing all that sort of stuff. So yeah, that's a, that's a great way to go about it. For your podcast, you interview, uh, entrepreneurs, seven, eight figure, uh, people. And what do you say through that has been one of the biggest lessons that you've learned from your podcast? Money doesn't really matter. That's, I mean, that's it. Expand on that. So we've kind of seen, we've kind of seen now like how the Fed is like influencing the monetary supply, right? So they've just printed money out of thin air, like literally essentially that there is no, there is no backing to the US currency anymore. Um, so it's just, hey, let's print more money. Let's get this thing stimulated. And that's what we've done. And now we've realized that the, the inflation is not transitory. It's here to stay. And now Jerome Powell and the Fed are doing everything they can to completely destroy the inflation. Um, and they are willing, ready, ready, willing, and able to tank the U.S. economy to make that happen. And he's literally said that because he said that the, out of the two evils, he's like, you have inflation running rampant and the U.S. economy tanking. They can better course correct the U.S. economy tanking than inflation. So he said, we are willing to tank the U.S. to be able to get this inflation back to 2%. So like that's literally in the press conference. So money is really more so just energy. It's better if you view it like that because once I raised my mindset on money, then I realized that it comes a lot easier to you. So an example of this because now I can speak from respect or perspective because I've like I've been through it, but like before, like I remember when I came out of college and my base salary was $40,000, right? For a year. And that was that first role. I thought that was so much money. And I was like, okay, I'm going to work all year, 40 hours a week. So that's 2000 hours. If you take two weeks out of it, that's 2000 hours of my life for $40,000. And now like I did, I haven't even marketed like the course that I created. I just responded to people that DM me from my podcast and I did $60,000 in a week. So, and that was like no effort. And so I was just like, Hey, <laughs> like it's just a decoupling of like, okay, I need to do the XYZ input for XYZ output. It's just a matter of value exchange. So I stopped focusing on the dollars and cents and I start, started focusing on how can I provide enough value to other people to have the economic life that I want to have. And then everything happens as a byproduct. Now, that's not to say that I don't track things. That's dumb. Every business owner will track everything. Like, I know my profit and loss. I know my expenses. I know my incomes. I know my revenues, my nets. 
And I just know I paid, I read, wrote off $37,200.64 on uh, my expenses for like Mastermind and all that in my taxes for last year, just the write-offs. But it's just like, that's not what the goal is. It's just like that almost happens as a byproduct, if that makes sense. Well, I think you're so right in that, you know, I've looked at a lot of different businesses and, you know, being being a CFO by day, like I, I'm looking at the way people are pricing what they're doing and they, they're, they're limiting their beliefs, their personal beliefs, their personal struggles with money come through in their pricing. So instead of, pri- instead of pricing based off value pricing, they're pricing based off of what they think they should be making off of this. And then what ends up happening is then they, they don't understand all the variables. So they end up making less than they actually intended to make. And then they're wondering why they can't get ahead in their business. I can solve, yeah, I can, I can solve 80% of business owners problems with like one statement. And that is cut, like double your price, lose half your customers. Yeah. That will solve the majority of your problems. Double the price, cut half of your customers. If you have, if you're, even if you're an auto mechanic, like even if you're a body shop and you're like, Hey, we are only going to cater to the best freaking people. We are going to do the best work. We're going to be 10 times better than all the other shops. We're going to charge three times more for it. Now there has to be a discrepancy there, right? It's the value to price discrepancy. You can't, you can't be, uh, three times better and charge three times more. That doesn't correlate. You need to be 30 times better and charge three times more. Yeah. That's where people think it's a good deal, right? It's like, if you just kind of like in financial freedom, like people are like, oh, here's my $27 course. Like, here's my $97 course. I'm like, I don't want those people. Like there's a place for them, but like, I want the people that are committed. So like right now, mine's like 1997 and that's low. Like it's going to go up to five grand. And then I want to figure out how do I do a 10 grand one? Um, to where it would have to be a hundred thousand dollars of like very immediate and apparent value for them to justify paying ten grand. That's where I'm. That's the game I'm trying to play because then those people are like the best people to work with. They're the most in depth. They're the most like they will do the work. They're the best customers. They're the best people to work with. They do not complain. And all the people at the bottom end of the totem pole are going to be the ones that you hear the most noise from. Is your cheapest customers always. <laughs> I have a number of people that do online business stuff and they talk about the ones that they've cut the brakes for, the discounts or the ones that they've given something for free are the ones that they hear the most from on their complaints, on the feedback. And the the reality is you value something for the amount that you put into it. So I took a course earlier this year that was, you know, like a $2000 course. Well, I valued that a lot more. I showed up to those than I did the $500 course I took. I went back and I watched the recordings. I've put it on one and a half times, right? I didn't even, you know, I didn't engage in anything outside of that. So I was the person before who just didn't, you know, I thought some of that was a little bit of baloney, though I'm telling business owners to do that in their business. But then I, I saw it in myself in the own courses and the own things that I've done this year. Yeah. And here, here's like, here's why people avoid it. Like, let's, let's call a spade a spade because now we're having a business conversation. The reason that you're afraid to charge a lot of money is because you're not good. You subconsciously do not think you're worth the money. Yeah. That's why you're not charging a lot of money. 
So instead of figuring out how do you provide the best discount to people and you're giving them 50% off, 50% off all the way down to zero, why don't we instead ask the question, what can I change in my business, my product or my offering or my team or me to be worth that? Yeah. That's the question I ask. I'm like, okay, are people not buying this? So right now I'm charging like two grand for the course and people aren't even like batting an eye at it. So they're, they're like, oh, okay. And they're just paying. I don't, there's no objection to it, which means that it's too low. Like, I want it to be to a point. So I'm like, okay, cool. I need to go up to five grand and add a little bit more value um, and then put it up at five. So that's going to be five, like come January when I actually like launch it, launch it. Um, so right now we're doing like pre-sale, but it's just like at that point, like there needs to be like, you know, you need to start teetering on the line. If it's just like, everyone's like, oh my God, yes. Then it's too low. <laughs> Like there should be some friction behind it to where, like, oh, let me sleep on it. Okay, what's the actual objection? And then go from there. But it's just like people take it more seriously. You get better results. Everything's awesome. But it's like I've been on the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, I was in B2B sales. Like I did the business sales. Like I've been in the trenches, like done enterprise level and I've done up and down the street. So I can tell you with certainty that I've closed contracts with Coca-Cola for multiple millions of dollars. And that deal was easier to close than John's body shop down the street. Like, yeah, you got to be kidding me. And we didn't hear a peep from Coca-Cola, but from John's body shop, you know, we hear from them every week about how how their service is wrong. Like, it's insane. When you break that down, people base their decision off of price when they can't justify how to get to the next level but they're looking for ways to justify it. And so you have to be able to communicate that. And if you if you yourself don't even understand the value you're providing, if you yourself aren't convinced in the value you're providing, you're not going to be able to communicate that value to the client or to whoever you're trying to sell that to. So Yeah, and if you're a business owner and you can't communicate the value, how the hell do you think your sales team is? Yeah. So it all starts at the top. So um, there's a guy named Alex Hormozzi that does a lot of really good content on this for free. And he says that his best way of like firing his sales team up is like putting customer testimonials in front of them. So they'll read them out loud every morning. Like the customer will say like how great like this is impacting them. And that's something I've done with my own business. Um, now I'll be sure to screenshot like every win and I'll print them out at FedEx because I don't have a printer because, you know, we're all millennials. And we don't have printers and I'll print it out. And I like have them like I have them like taped to my wall, like these wins when people are like, holy crap, dude, like this module, the course is like insane. Oh, my God, like this is awesome. And then it just re reinforces the loop where you're like, OK, cool, because people people are going to give you money if you don't believe in what you're selling. Like you shouldn't sell it. That's all of business. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, thanks for Brian. Thanks for hopping on. It was a great conversation. Enjoyed. I want to wrap up with kind of one question of if you're talking to a business owner today that is thinking about this idea of, of your levels of freedom, of their passive versus their passionate, and you could go back and do one thing that would supercharge your results, what would that one thing be? I would desperately and intentionally search for that person in that industry that is where you want to be and model after them. Stop trying to reinvent the wheel. Everything that you want to do has been done. Stop trying to do the blue ocean strategy and go red ocean, like where all the competition is, everyone's done. Lean into that 
you said you're you're a CFO, like go figure out who's the best CFO ever. And that's living importantly, that's living the lifestyle that you want to live. You know, that's not on their fifth divorce um, where they, they think their kid's name is Frank, but it's John. Um, don't want to be that guy, but find them, find a way to get in their world, model them, try to seek mentorship from them. If you have an auto body shop, find mentors that are running extraordinarily successful auto body shops. Like if you got a SaaS company, go figure out who runs the best SaaS companies. Like right now, I'm talking to Josh Dorkin, who founded Bigger Pockets and sold that for, you know, high, high, high eight figures. So I'm like, okay, cool. How do I learn from him on how to build an organization? I'm not trying to figure out how to build a media company by myself. That's stupid. I'm going to go find out who's done it and learn, learn from them. It's a way easier game to win. And that wraps up my interview with Brian Lubin. I want to thank you for listening today. I really enjoyed his concept about the three levels of freedom. I'm sure I'll be writing about it more in the future. I hope that you took something away from this. I hope that you learned as much as I did in this conversation. So go listen to Brian's podcast. I will put the links to his social in the show notes and go follow him wherever you prefer to live. Thank you so much for listening today. Remember, until next time, continue to live an intentional life. Adios.